Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. our Wednesday message. We're in our new series called Pondering Prophecy. Thank you for turning in today. In our services on Sunday, we're presently going through the Acts of the Apostle in, the, in a verse-by-verse verse series called Unstoppable. And be sure to tune in on Sundays to hear a complete worship service. Last Wednesday, we dove in um, with both feet to the book of Revelation and did an overview of the entire tribulation period, a seven-year uh, time, uh, time of trials and judgment. Uh, the, the, and the Bible is very specific, by the way, about the time. It's mentioned as seven years, seven, seven weeks, uh, 42 months, twice, um, and also the number of days. It's very, very exact as to the seven years of this time of tribulation. And while I hope you enjoyed our teaching on the tribulation as much as I enjoyed preparing it and delivering it, it was a, a lot to cover. It was a massive amount of material. So I've learned. And today we're going to talk about the rise of the Antichrist. And we're going to be focusing on one specific verse, although we'll add a few more, but one specific verse in the book of Revelation. It's uh, the beginning of the first of the seven seals that is spoken of in the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. And the first seal spe speaks specifically of a rider on a, on a white horse, the white horseman, um, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And this is what the verse reads. It reads, I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and the crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So, so likely, as we begin this study today, you've, you've probably heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, there have been many references in popular culture to the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, for a number of years, and typically by people who have little or no Bible knowledge. Uh, there was a coach, for example, in Notre Dame named Newt Rockney, whose football team back in 1924 went 10-0. Uh, a perfect season and they captured the first national championship for Notre Dame and there was a sports writer in the city of New York who as he was following the team through this this amazing year for Newt Rockney named um, the starting um, backfield on the offensive line for Notre Dame as the four horsemen I don't think he knew anything about the book of Revelation but the name stuck um, and then just recently, as, as recently as 1986, there was an organization known as the WWF. I don't know much about it except that it was a professional uh, wrestling program that was shown on TV. And they named their top wrestlers the, the Four Horsemen. The people at the WWF didn't understand prophecy, but they did know that the horsemen that were described in the Bible were likely bad dudes. So they named their top wrestlers the, the Four Horsemen. Now, interestingly, there were 16 wrestlers that were part of these Four Horsemen. But if the Big Ten can have 14 teams, um, who am I to complain? So let's depart from uh, professional 
and on amateur sports and get into what the Bible has to say about these four horsemen in general and the first horseman in particular. Uh, to begin with, they're not four men at all, uh, but they are represented in the first four of what are seven seals that are in the book of Revelation. It's in chapter six. The first four seals are symbolized by a rider on a different colored horse. Uh, these four seals are symbolized uh, by the four colors, white, red, black, and then the last one is a, a pale green. As we'll see today, as we, as we look at the first seal and the rider on the right horse, it's only this first rider that's identifiable as, a, as an individual. The other th seals revealing three successive riders actually represent judgments. Judgments uh, that we would expect during the tribulation, but they're not idealized by any specific individual. Uh, this, the first seal is the first sign and it's by far the most significant and the, the greatest warning sign of the end of days and the beginning of the tribulation. The initial sign of the Antichrist seems relatively innocuous at the first reading. It's just a rider on a white horse. However, the Bible devotes many, many chapters, both in the Old Testament as well as the New, to um, the Antichrist this individual that is characterized on this this first horse the book of revelation as well as the old testament prophets show this individual to be a demon possessed he's a tyrant also known as the little horn uh, spoken of in daniel 7 also called the beast throughout much of the book of revelation this rider on the white horse will set up a world government that'll rule over every tribe tongue and nation that's out of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. You know, we've already seen that there are many indications of a coming one world government uh, that the Antichrist will ultimately head up. Along with the United Nations and the EU, the European Union, uh, we now have multiple trade associations. NAFTA, for example, are, are trade associations that, that form a, a, a commonality, a union among many nations. Uh, for many years now, we've heard of a, of a coming New World Order. And quite frankly, there are many people today that would openly welcome it with, with open arms. This rider on the white horse, this Antichrist, is revealed as the first of seven seals in the book of Revelation that are then followed by seven trumpets and then seven bowls or vials. During the seven years of the tribulation, these seals, trumpets, and bowls that are written on the scroll represent the final judgments of God that are poured out on an unbelieving world. These ancient scrolls are, are similar to our modern books, except our, our books have a front and a back cover. These scrolls are, are rolled up and then they're sealed with wax seals. Many scholars are, are confident that the individual described in Revelation 6-2 is, in fact, the Antichrist. Jesus spoke clearly of the time preceding the Second Coming, and we'll see that there is a strong correlation between the six seals that are described in the, the uh, sixth chapter of, of Revelation and what Jesus speaks of in Matthew 24 as birth pangs at the beginning of the Tribulation. 
just prior to his death on Calvary, Jesus is by the temple in Jerusalem. And, and he remarks, he looks at the temple and says, do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on top of another. Every one will be torn down. And then later they, they travel to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is sitting at the Mount of Olives and the disciples come to him. And they say, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answers them. Uh, he tells them. He doesn't tell them it's none of their business or, or forget it, it's not for you to know. He gives them an answer and that answer is interesting. He says this, he says, see to it that no one misleads you or deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they'll deceive many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened for these things must take place, but it's not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. That's Matthew chapter 24, four verses, four through eight. Now, many have noticed the correlation between Matthew 24, what Jesus says are the signs of the end, and the sequence of the events as, as, as portrayed also through the, through the, four, for the first four seals, especially. For example, the, the first is that many will come, Jesus says, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And we'll see in a moment just how that relates to this first seal the rider on the white right horse. Just remember the word deception. Secondly, there are, Jesus says there are gonna be wars and rumors of wars, and that's represented by the second seal, the rider on the red horse. Then third, Jesus speaks of famines, and they're actually represented by the third seal in the black horse. And then we'll see finally, Jesus also refers to the fourth seal. He says that there'll, there'll be earthquakes in various places. And we'll see when we get to the fourth seal that there are earthquakes and all kinds of cosmic disturbances. And they're represented by the rider on the, the pale green horse. Just to provide further support of this correlation between Matthew 24 that Jesus speaks of and the book of Revelation, the first seals, Jesus then says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith. Now, this correlates very closely with the fifth seal in chapter six of Revelation. And then it says this, it says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls who had been slain for the word of God. These are our martyrs. These are what's called the tribulation martyrs. So now that we put this first seal into context and illustrated how these seals fit into what Jesus said was the beginning of the tribulation. Let's recall Revelation 6-2, our verse for today. I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. As we said, the this first seal and the first rider associated on the right horse is the only seal and horse and rider that's associated with a, with a man, with an individual. And we believe this man to be the, the Antichrist. Because he's on a white horse, many mistake him very easily for Jesus. Uh, Jesus, after all, has a, has a crown on his head 
and, and this man on the white horse is going to be a conqueror. However, the key thing to remember about the Antichrist and actually the coming of the Antichrist and the entire uh, time of the tribulation is deception. This man is riding a white horse, but unlike all of the Westerns we see that the good guys are riding white horses, this is not a good guy. The key to understanding this, this time of the tribulation and the Antichrist is deception, 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 deception. Now, I said it four times intentionally because Jesus used those very words four times in the 24th chapter of Matthew. For example, in verse 4, Jesus says, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Then in verse 11, Jesus continues and says, Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Then in verses 23 and 25 of the same chapter, he says, At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, there is the Christ, don't believe it. For false price, Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if it was possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. You see, this, this Antichrist is all about a, a masquerade. The Antichrist is masquerading as the, as the true Messiah. He wears a crown just as Jesus wears a crown. Uh, we mentioned that in his hand there's a, there's a bow, but, but many people point out the fact that there's no arrows, signifying that perhaps he doesn't use weapons to acquire power. He's more likely a, a brilliant politician, able to strategize and make dazzling political moves along with an incredible charisma. In the rise of the Antichrist, during this time, he'll be especially well-liked. He'll, he'll fool the people. He'll feel, fool the leaders of the nations and the Jews as well. If there was election, like our election coming, people would vote for him. If there's an opportunity to give him power and rule, it will be given to him. It will like, most likely not be seized. By the time the Jews realize who this man truly is, it, it'll be too late for us but I want to give you some hope and some confidence. It's, it's not too late for us. We likely will never know who the Antichrist is, although even I believe he's most assuredly already alive, already in some position of governance, waiting for the opportunity for his plan to unfold. In the, in the second letter of Thessalonians, uh, chapter 2, the Apostle Paul teaches that the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture of the church, the departure. Paul writes in verse 3 of chapter 2, that day will not come until a falling away or a departure occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Paul goes on to say that this man we call the Antichrist will ultimately oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or worshiped so that he sets himself in God's temple proclaiming himself to be a God. Also, the Apostle Paul continues and says that the Antichrist will not come until that which is restraining him is taken away. Uh, now, many scholars, including myself, identify that that which is restraining him to be the presence of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. The Old Testament prophet Daniel has much to say about the Antichrist, and Daniel's often quoted regarding this matter. Daniel refers to him as the little horn and the prince who is to come and speaks of him in the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel. 
You know, it was in the ninth chapter of, da of the book of Daniel that we taught just last week on the seven years of the tribulation. Uh, they're called, uh, the, Daniel talks about 70 weeks. And if we add up the weeks, that's, that's 70 times seven, which is, which is 490 years. And we find that all but seven years are fulfilled. There's still seven years that are left, and that is the time of the tribulation. So in verse 26 of chapter 9, Daniel says of these, after these 69 weeks, he says, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. What a prophecy. Verse 27 continues, it says, Then he shall confirm, talking of the Antichrist, confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end of sacrifice and of offering. You know, notice in verse 26, it says that the Messiah is cut off. And that's the death of Jesus. It says, yet not for himself, signifying that Jesus actually died for the world. It wasn't about him at all. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the prince who is to come is, is the Antichrist. He has many names. The prince who has to come, the man of sin, the man of perdition, the lawless one, the beast, and that's the name that's used most often in the book of Revelation. The little horn, and of course the, the Antichrist that John talks about. Notice this prince is associated with the people that destroy the city and the sanctuary. It was Titus, a Roman general that destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in, in AD 70. This is one of the reasons why scholars say that the Antichrist will come from the territory held by the Roman Empire. Then verse 27 continues, it says, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Uh, the, the rider on the first horse, this first seal, has a, has a bow. Uh, but no arrows. And we said that the key here is that he conquered through deception. He comes to power by confirming a covenant with one week. We already have determined that the one week refers to, to seven years, the seven years of the tribulation. So the Antichrist comes to power after the restrainer, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ is removed. And the tribulation then actually starts with this peace treaty, this, this covenant with many. Uh, the word many, by the way, refers to many nations. Notice that he confirms the, the, the peace treaty. He doesn't propose it. The Antichrist doesn't create it or initiate it. But somehow he's the one that puts it into the position. He's in, put into a position where he kind of pulls it all together. And he takes credit for it. Let's go back and take a look at this verse, verse 6. Uh, chapter 6, verse 2 of the book of Revelation. Because even though it's just a short verse, it's, it's jam-packed with all kinds of, of clues on how we'll see this rise of the Antichrist. Revelation 6, 2 begins, I saw when the land opened one of the seals. Now, uh, we understand that this, this scroll that's being opened, this large scroll, is the title deed to the earth. It has, it has all of the history, the destiny of mankind, uh, creation account itself. We find out in the previous chapter that only Jesus, uh, the Lamb, has the right to be able to open the seals on the scroll. The verse continues, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice, come. Each of these seals that's open is associated with one of the four living creatures. Now those four living creatures are referenced just 
two chapters earlier in Revelation chapter 4. And they have like four faces. One is a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. These are very similar to what Ezekiel saw over 600 years earlier. And they all call out, come. And the word come can also be translated as go forth. Now, these verse continues. It says, behold, a white horse. Now, again, the white horse, I can understand, can easily confuse the reader, as many understand the rider on the white horse to be Jesus. Jesus does return on a white horse in the book of Revelation in chapter 19. But this is 13 chapters earlier. Jesus is unrolling the scroll. He's going seal by seal. The verse continues and it says, He that sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. Meaning that this ruler, he's a ruler, and he exercises authority and dominion over the earth. The verse says, he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, taking this to be the final sat satanic dictator over man, we see that he will be terrible, much more terrible than all the previous dictators. As terrible as Hitler was, and I believe Hitler was actually uh, demon-possessed. Uh, in fact, Hitler is a, is a type of Antichrist. Uh, this Antichrist is actually much worse. For example, Adolf Hitler desired to rule the world. He had global designs. Part of his global plan was to first destroy the Jews. This makes him anti-God as well as anti-Christ. Adolf Hitler embraced the occult. He was fascinated with, with magic and, and psychic powers. Um, as I mentioned, I, I believe that Hitler was demon-possessed and controlled by demonic forces. In fact, uh, according to John MacArthur, the noted uh, uh, senior pastor at Grace Community Church out in California, he said, according to, uh, this is related to Hitler, those close to him said that when Hitler spoke in public, he had a completely different voice than his normal voice because demons were actually speaking through him. You know, this, this coming Antichrist will be crueler than Hitler, than Hitler more violent than Stalin as evil as Genghis Khan, more volatile as Ivan the Terrible. You know, all of these former world rulers were types of the Antichrist. They were all evil men. But the rider on the white horse with the bow signifies that the final satanic Superman is, is being released on the world. And on a reminding time today, let's, let's talk a little bit of how this Antichrist comes to power. Uh, as most understand that the rise on the political stage is based on a platform of peace and security. The Apostle Paul speaks of this even in connection with labor pains. Uh, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, For you are fully aware that the day of the Lord, this time period, will, not, will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and security or peace and safety, destruction will come suddenly like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Like Satan himself, who can appear as an angel of light, this evil world leader will deceive the world into thinking that he is a, a great man of peace, a, a true hero. Now, if you've been paying attention to the news, and I, and I don't recommend actually that you do, you may have read the headlines back on August 13th. It said this, it said, Trump announces historic peace agreement between Israel 
and the UAE. And I've had many people ask me about this, so I, so I tell them I, I, would, I would definitely talk about it today. This peace treaty, interestingly, is referenced or referred to as the Abraham Accord, referencing the fact that Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all revere Abraham as the founders of their faiths. This peace treaty is, is truly remarkable. As the UAE joins Egypt and Jordan, all of them Arab and Muslim countries, and they've all agreed to formally normalize their relationships with Israel. What is even more fascinating is that Saudi Arabia is supposedly ready to sign the same peace treaty. While this peace treaty is not the covenant made with many, that's not, this is not the covenant that's spoken of in association with the, the Antichrist and the coming of the tribulation. It, it does give us a glimpse of what is coming regarding the alignment of nations. What is, and what we see right today is very close to what Ezekiel speaks of in the war of Gog and, and Magog. And I'll, and I'll speak to that at some time in the future. The scriptures clearly state that this ultimate peace treaty will have a planned duration of, of seven years. And this peace treaty will catapult the Antichrist into a position of, of world leadership. This pact will also accomplish the seemingly impossible task of bringing peace to the Middle East. However, this peace pact is actually short-lived. Even though it has a planned duration of seven years, in the middle of the seven years, after three and a half years, uh, the Antichrist uh, desecrates the temple and he breaks the treaty. One of the scenarios that could easily fit into Bible prophecy, and this is just a scenario, this is just a, gee, I wonder if. One of the scenarios regarding this Abrahamic peace accord that was brokered by President Trump that supposedly provides access to the Temple Mount, let's assume that this peace treaty at some time in the future runs into trouble and becomes difficult to maintain. However, a world leader comes on the scene. He, he confirms the peace treaty, provides the opportunity for the Jews to not only have access to the Temple Mount, but also to, to build a temple. And this rider on the white horse that we see in Revelation 6-2 is heralded as the greatest peacemaker of, of all time. As the times get closer and closer to the end, we'll see more and more indications of the coming tribulation, including the one world government, the one world religion, a cashless society, and of course, a mark that the Bible says no one can buy or sell without this mark, the mark of the beast. Calvary Chapel Pastor J.D. Farag uh, says that we are so close to the end times, including the rapture of the church and the rise of the Antichrist, that he says we're a gnat's eyebrow away. Now, I, I didn't even know that gnats had eyebrows, but it's, I can affirm that we're pretty close. I can affirm that we're closer today than we ever have been in the past. God's time clock uh, the countdown to the tribulation began when Israel became a nation in, on May 14, 1948. We're in the period that immediately precedes as well as commences the tribulation called the time of birth pains or birth pains. Now, I, I'm not a, a date setter. I, I, I despise date setters. However, the Bible clearly gives us signs. Jesus answered the apostles' question uh, when they asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? 
Now, friends, if, if you find yourself fearful, if you begin to, to be troubled when you hear of the end times and the coming of the Antichrist, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is coming back for his church, just as a bridegroom comes back for his bride. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Until the rapture church, until the rapture occurs, until the Antichrist is revealed, we have time to be able to share the gospel with those we know and we love, our family, our friends, and our neighbors as well. You know, God said that he's not willing that any should perish, any should be lost. And he's given us the green light to be able to share the gospel, to tell the good news, to announce the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. You know, today we touch briefly on the Antichrist, this rider on the white horse in Revelation 6, 2. This is, this is just the beginning. This is just beginning of the tribulation. We'll see the Antichrist again often as we tr travel through these end time prophecies. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, through for the You've Bible. been listening to Faith Dialogue you, with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.